I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This is KSL's Religion Today, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner, on KSL News Radio. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Truth matters. Truth really matters. Understanding who Jesus is and believing in the Jesus of the Bible is one of the most important truths a person can know. One of the organizations out there that criticizes the beliefs that Latter-day Saints have about Jesus is the Christian Research Institute, CRI which was founded in 1960 by one Walter Martin. He founded it as a primarily anti-Mormon organization. One of my friends, Van Hale, debated with Walter Martin. Walter Martin was a little bit before my time. Since then, Van and I have debated with a number of critics of the LDS faith over the years. Van and I together sometimes, and Van and I individually against various critics of the church. I've always felt in those debates like I had an unfair advantage, the truth. And the reason for that is because Latter-day Saints focus on truth, while the critics focus mainly on parts of of the Bible, parts of scriptures, parts of information about Jesus and who he was. And this is one of the biggest problems that CRI has. Let me illustrate today. I do this because a friend of mine came across some literature from CRI talking about the difference between the CRI of Jesus and the CRI of Latter-day Saints and the CRI of the Bible. Here's sort of an introduction. CRI openly professes belief in Jesus, but here's the question. Is the Jesus that CRI believes in the same one that's in the Bible? The answer is no. The CRI that Jesus believes in is different from the biblical Jesus. It's not uncommon for CRI apologists to argue that they should be regarded as Christians because, they say, their faith is centered on Jesus. But while the Christian Research Institute makes this claim, even a superficial look demonstrates this is not true. If you come from the CRI perspective of Jesus, there is no doubt whatsoever that the Jesus taught by CRI is not 
the same Jesus that you find in the Bible. So how is the Christian Research Institute Jesus different from the Jesus of the Bible? This is an important question because simply believing in someone named Jesus, even the historical Jesus, doesn't solve the issue. Why? Because for C.R.I. and Walter Martin, there's an appropriate scripture. The Apostle Paul warns against people like them in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, which warns about people preaching a different Jesus from the one found in the Bible. Let's talk about some of the details here. The Bible teaches that Jesus has always existed as God and as a separate deity from God the Father. We learn about that in John chapter 1, verse 1. CRI believes in something here that is not biblical. They preach the Trinitarian concept of God, which was invented at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. The Trinitarian concept of God says that God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Ghost are of one undivided substance. There were those at the Council of Nicaea who argued against adopting this creed because it was not biblical. It was adopted anyway. And CRI continues to teach this heresy. Here's another thing in the Bible that CRI doesn't believe. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus himself says, quote, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever he, meaning the Father, does, the Son also does in like manner, close quote. How do we know CRI doesn't believe that? Well, CRI does not believe God the Father was ever a person on earth with a physical body who Jesus emulated. They don't believe that, even though that's what Jesus said. I'll quote Jesus again. Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatsoever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. Close quote. CRI sticks with the unbiblical Trinitarian concept and twists another scripture, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, to say something that it does not. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Quote, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature and form of God, did not consider equality with God to be something to be used to his own advantage, close quote. Now, that doesn't say Jesus is of the same substance of God. It says they're of the same nature. The same way that I could say I'm of the same nature as other human beings. Any human being is of the same basic nature, but they are not of the same substance 
CRI criticizes Latter-day Saints for believing Jesus did what God did, following in God's footsteps. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 19, that he did just that. But CRI rejects 519, John 519. CRI doesn't believe that Jesus followed God's lead and did exactly what he did. It rejects Jesus' own words. And they also have this unbiblical idea that Jesus and the Father are of one undivided substance. Let's take another look at some of the things that CRI does. One of the most problematic things that CRI faces, a direct contradiction, which they cannot avoid. While trying to evade charges of polytheism against them, which is, of course, a belief or worship in more than one God, CRI says it believes only in one God, but believes you can pray to Jesus and to God separately. They're separate persons, but if they're of one undivided substance, uh, aren't you really praying to the same God anyway, if you take CRI's position, that's a bit contradictory. Latter-day Saints do not have this conflict, although following the model of prayer taught by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that we should pray to our Father in Heaven, take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we learn from Jesus we're supposed to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, as the beginning to a prayer. But on occasion, there are other ways that one can pray. And when we come back from our break, I'm going to discuss an example of those from LDS Scripture. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today, right here on KSL. We'll be right back after this. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Religion Today with host Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. This is Religion Today. I'm Martin Tanner, your host. Today I'm responding to some bogus comments of CRI, Christian Research Institute, Love Against Latter day Saints. This has happened off and on 
since 1960. And every once in a while, I just feel like calling them out because they're saying things that are just flat out inaccurate. So if you have a question or comment about the show, feel free to send me an email. Or if you have another question or comment about religion, send the email to martinstanner at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to respond. Martin S. Tanner at gmail.com. When we took our break, we were discussing about how the comment is leveled against Latter-day Saints that somehow we don't believe you can pray to Jesus. And that somehow that's contradictory because prayer happens to Jehovah in the Old Testament. And Latter-day Saints believe that Jesus is Jehovah, but we don't believe in praying to Jehovah. Well, that's just simply not the case. And as a matter of fact, in the Book of Mormon, in 3 Nephi chapter 19, verse 18, we actually read of an unusual but scriptural example of where the Nephites prayed directly to Jesus. 3 Nephi chapter 19, verse 18, quote, And behold, they began to pray, and they did pray unto Jesus, calling him their Lord and their God, close quote. Now, this is not surprising to Latter-day Saints, because we understand that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, and 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, a whole bunch of places in Psalms, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 7 and 12, that people are told to pray to Yahweh or, or Jehovah. And Latter-day Saints also believe that as well. So why wouldn't we also believe that it's okay on occasion in certain circumstances to pray to Jesus? It's simply incredible that CRI falsely says Latter-day Saints don't believe in prayer to Jesus when both the Bible and the Book of Mormon, official scriptures of the LDS faith, both have examples of it. Also, any Latter-day Saint acknowledges that Jesus is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. This is one of the principal points of LDS theology. So, I'm just not sure where this criticism comes from. It just sounds like a stretch to try to come out and say things against the LDS Church. Let's take a look at the CRI Jesus. CRI can claim to teach and believe in Jesus all at once, but it's apparent from its own teachings, some of which I've mentioned today, that the CRI Jesus they profess is definitely not the Jesus of the Bible which nowhere says the Trinitarian concept of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost of one undivided substance is the where to believe. The truth is that CRI teaches and worships a different Jesus. That's a little bit like a wolf in sheep's clothing. On the surface, it looks like it's a Christian, but deep inside, it really isn't. It has this different belief, a lie, the Trinitarian concept that's hidden 
below the surface. I'm Martin Tanner, and that's why I believe that CRI teaches the wrong Jesus. All right, on to a different topic, and that is another claim leveled against Latter-day Saints about whether or not it's anachronistic to have the words Christ and Messiah in the Book of Mormon. The claim is made sometimes that before the time of Christ, in the opening chapters of the Book of Mormon, between 559 and 545 B.C., in Second Nephi, chapter 10, verse 3, we have the reference to the Messiah. And this isn't just an unusual thing. Messiah, the word Messiah appears in the Book of Mormon 13 times, and the word Christ appears 99 times. So is it anachronistic to say that the word Christ in the Book of Mormon and the word Messiah in the Book of Mormon are somehow anachronistic? Here is why that is not the case. Christ is the English transliteration of the Greek word anointed, which is precisely translated as Christus. It is in most cases, synonymous with the Hebrew word rendered Messiah. The early Christians wrote in Greek, and they themselves used the word Christos. Both words, Messiah and Christ, the Jewish and the Christian equivalents, the Messiah being the Jewish word and Christos being the Greek word, meant the same thing. They both meant anointed one. As a matter of fact, we don't in English today pronounce them exactly the way the Greeks or the Hebrews did, but they have the same meaning. If you take a look at the Encyclopedia of Judaism, they would even say, or that would even say the same thing. One of the other important points to make here is that any usage in the Bible of the word Christ can be for a Christian, alternately translated as Messiah with no change in meaning. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, verse 16, and also verse 18, we see that. The word Christ is found in English dictionaries. And so, if you take a look at the translation that Joseph Smith did and somehow interchange the word Christ with the word Messiah, you would find in almost no instance that there's any kind of difference in meaning. As a matter of fact, if you talk to any Christian and say, is the Messiah mentioned in the Old Testament, Jesus, they would tell you yes. And so if what translation is amounts to rendering in one language the best word or words to convey meaning in another, then I would submit that the Book of Mormon does a great job of using the word Christ in modern English and the word Mosiah or Mashiach, which also means Savior, in modern English to render into English the meaning of ancient Jewish and Greek words. Here's an example or two of this. Second Nephi chapter 10, verse 3. 
Quote, Wherefore, as I said unto you, it must needs be expedient that Christ, for in the last night the angel spake unto me, that this should be his name, should come among the Jews. Close quote. So here we see that an angel explains to the Nephites that the Messiah would be named Christ. Now, these kinds of arguments could also be applied to baptism. People say, oh, baptism, that's a Greek thing. Well, what was John the Baptist doing? He was Jewish, and he was here before Jesus, or at least at the same time as Jesus, but he was baptizing before there was even a Christian church. He was doing what would probably be described as mikvah, or ritual cleaning, which is what baptism is. So there's a Jewish word, mikvah, which means to cleanse, ritual cleansing, which is exactly what baptism is. We have to look at the underlying meaning of things before we jump to conclusions that somehow there's an anachronism in the Book of Mormon, when you read Jesus or Messiah or Christ or baptism, they simply are not anachronistic. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.